Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Rebel Guru Radio, episode 14. This is Rebel Guru Radio with best-selling spiritual author Eric Pepin. If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. For all of the resources mentioned in this episode, check out our show notes at rebelgururadio.com forward slash episode 14. In this episode, Eric Pepin discusses the simulated reality in which we live. Spiritual masters have always said that reality is an illusion. Today, we call it the Matrix, but the truth behind it is the same. Even Elon Musk, founder of Tesla and SpaceX, recently said, there's only a one in a billion chance we don't live in a computer-generated reality. After listening to this episode, your view of life will be forever changed. Enjoy. How many people here are familiar with what we call the tones? Okay. And is there anybody here who's not familiar with the tones? Okay, so I'm gonna give a quick crash course on insanity, and don't blame me later for doing this to you, okay? The tones are a frequency that you kind of hear in your ear, but it's not really your ear that's hearing them. And what it is, it's a very high-pitched frequency. It's kind of like this, ah, okay? Now, as you begin to focus and you begin to hear it, the point is, is to become aware of it. It usually will start off either on one side or the other, okay? There is a second tone. And so the second tone, you usually will hear in the opposing ear. So whichever one you hear one, you'll hear the other. And it is actually a different octave. So at first, it's maybe hard to tell that there's a difference or that there's even two, but you will t- dial into it. So the other side sounds a lot like the original. You're going to hear this like, "Ah," this high pitch. Now, there will go up to as many as 10. The average person will do maybe, if they're lucky, up to three or four, okay? Now, you have those people who are like, oh, I've got six, I got seven, I got four. I don't even concern myself about that. What's more important is just starting off working with the main three, okay? The point of it is, is that it's training, And the training kind of works like this. When you focus on a tone, if you intently try to listen to it, it fades away. So it's like an elusive kind of ice cube that's melting on the frying pan. You go to touch it and it just kind of shoots away. If you ignore it, but what I try to say to people is you admire it rather than trying to like, like, like look at it. You kind of just become aware of it you begin to bring it in, it gets louder, 
So there comes this very interesting thing that's very foreign to us, and that is a form of movement that does not have to do with getting up and physically moving. It's very foreign to our thinking. So when you isolate the fact that you can make the tones go from eh to eh, and then you go like this and goes, eh, so it's kind of like this got you, you know, and it disappears. The same will go for the second, the same will go for the third. <clears throat> so what happens is it's the same thing with watching or listening, I should say, to the loop. Remember I says it's not about getting it to go in the opposite direction. It's what did you feel inside of yourself was the moment that you got it to flip. What, what did you feel inside of you? Was there a pressure here? Was there kind of this unusual feeling? But something happened that you were able to control it to move in a different direction. And when your mind lapsed or wandered, boom, it just went right back to normal. So there's like this invisible force of consciousness that's able to interact and change things. That same force is used to control the tones. So as you bring it in, you'll find that there's this part of you that grabs it and is able to make it louder and bring it in. Whereas if you try to use your like normal, like you're trying to listen harder, like you would do on an earthly plane, music, sound, whatever, you're kind of focusing on it, it evades you. <clears throat> so when one says the tones, I often refer to them also as pillars. I think of them as like, you know, the Greek kind of pillars, and each one represents a tone, like ah. Uh, uh, uh. And in essence, what you're trying to do is to work and maneuver to these tones, which essentially is teaching you movement. It's teaching you another way to maneuver around. When one hears these words such as astral projection, mind projection, uh, audible projecting, these all entail a form of collecting data by via going somewheres or something coming to you. Now, we don't really think much of that. And the reason why people have a, a lot of difficulty, in my opinion, achieving this, at least on an ongoing basis, usually when they do experience it, they don't know how they did it. They just kind of fell upon it, okay? It's because you have to think in a different way. You have to take that place and almost move it to you the same way that you're going to maneuver around these pillars or these tones, okay? So the first thing I want to do is to see how many people can start to find at least one or two tones in their ear. So we'll go ahead and just start right now. So those of you guys who are new, and it's going to be, maybe if you can keep your hands up so I know who to focus on, give you little tricks as you're going along. What you, you probably have heard stuff very similar. Sometimes when you're maybe just sitting around or even in a car somewhere, all of a sudden you get this high-pitched frequency. It just comes out of nowhere for no good reason. Just like, and then it just kind of will fade after a while. It's in that family of frequencies. It's like within that realm. So what you're trying to do is you listen, I often say sometimes, to what would be the inner exterior of the ear. So not like you're listening inside the canal, but kind of like the outer rim of the ear, but not going past where the, the fleshy part would be. And you just calmly just listen, and usually it starts off very, very faintly. So we'll go ahead and we'll see if you guys can find that. I often refer to it as, a, as the sound of just before you're bored. It's just this kind of like And is there anybody who hasn't found it yet? Raise your hand. 
Okay, there's the three amigos always. All right. So what I want you to do is to think of your right ear and just kind of let it listen. It's almost like just when you get really quiet with yourself, you think you start to hear something there, and that's the moment you start to listen, and it'll, it'll start to increase slowly. So just show me with your hand when you think you've got it. Just raise your hand. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. So what you want to do now is you want to relax into it. In other words, let it get louder. The more you pay attention to it or the more you admire it, you're going to find that it gets louder to your awareness. So that's the next step. I often think that sometimes you relax your jaw a little bit and you just kind of allow it to kind of saturate into you. Relaxing the back of your neck muscles, around your ear muscles, you just relax it. And then you move into the second awareness where you start to see if you can listen to anything on the left side. And then all of a sudden, you should be hearing the second tone. Have you guys found the second one yet? Excellent. And then, of course, there's the third one. The third one starts somewhere it's almost in the back of the head, sometimes a little bit to the left, sometimes a little bit to the right, depends on the person. But it, all of a sudden, it will just have this sound back there, and you're just kind of like, oh, well, well, there it is. And then when you think about it, it disappears. When you just admire it, all of a sudden, you become aware of it. And, the, and what happens now is you're attempting to control volume is the first step. The first step is, can you make the sound increase? Well, if you try to make it increase, like you're listening to something harder, it doesn't do it. You almost have to surrender to it. You almost have to relax into it. You almost have to admire it and just let it on its own accord become louder. I often say if you relax your muscles and you relax yourself, I will bring the, the pull or the sound forward by almost like letting myself head go backwards into it but more in my mind just letting myself relax into it and it becomes louder and louder and louder till it can get to the point where it's almost deafening so what you're trying to do is to become at least aware that you're aware of three tones now it's very hard to say i can hear all three at one time what you usually do is you go from one paying attention to it to the second one and you can hear there's a distinct difference. That's how you know they're different. And then you go to the third one. So you kind of play this round robin thing where you're kind of checking in with all three. On rare occasion, you move to another state and that state is where you kind of hear them all going. And I think of it like, like people singing in an orchestra where everybody's going, um, and then you got three or four people doing the same thing in a harmony. So you admire the harmony, but the second that you try to get more distinct, it starts to fall apart or dissipate. So the thing is, is that nothing about it allows you to control it in the way that you want to control something. If I want to pick up this bottle of water, I can reach over and grab it. But if it is a tone, any means that I try to grab it, it simply escapes away from me. It refuses to adhere to any form of thinking in the sense that makes sense to me in a biological moving around form because it's not of a three-dimensional space. It's not something that's solid. Now, is it a ringing in your ear? You believe it is, but the truth is you can hear it underwater. You can hear it even louder if you put corks in your ear. You can hear it in any single place. As far as I'm concerned, it is not an audible sound. In other words, if we were to put a meter to it to see if it measures a frequency, it's unmeasurable.
So then what the hell is it? Dun, dun, dun. Let's talk about reality. Let's talk about the idea that one would say in the ancient days, a Sufi or a yogi or, or a monk would be meditating and they would meditate for a week or a month, some crazy amount of time. And as the story goes, you know, they open their eyes and the first thing they say in a very monotone way is, reality is but an illusion. And so in modern times, we would say that, what does that mean? Reality is an illusion. What is an illusion to somebody 3,000, 4,000 years ago with the context of the overall education? It means that reality is a matrix. Reality is a simulated non-thing. Everything that we think is real is not real. An illusion is like a mirage. A mirage in the desert, you see something, you're like, oh my God, there's water, and you go down there, but there's nothing. It's just something that appears to the mind to be real, and you can see water, you can see palm trees, you can see green leafy trees, you can make every detail out, but when you get there, there's nothing there. So, in essence, what the spiritual person is saying is that they went into their mind and they went so deep that they stopped thinking about having to do laundry. They stopped thinking about making their husband or their wife happy or what they can do or who's having problems in their life. They forgot to think about what they were contemplating to do for work that day or what they had to do the next day and what they needed to complete. They were able to disengage all of these mental constructs that we feel give us our purpose in a daily level. If you think about it, we're kind of like lemons. Lemons meaning the ones that all walk and then they fall off the cliff more or less. We, we create all of these responsibilities in life and what we call purpose. We have to take care of other people. We have to take care of ourselves. We have food, we have shelter, we have needs. We have all these biological things for survival. And we go through days systematically fulfilling these like a routine to whatever degree that we, we need to. And in essence, the spiritual person says, I'm going to go into a state of my mind where most people, when they stop, you don't really stop. You could be watching a movie, and if you observe yourself during that movie, you'll check in with yourself roughly about every other minute with something that you think that you need to do. Do I need to go to the bathroom? Do I need to get some popcorn? Oh, they've got more popcorn than you. I should have got as much butter as her. Uh, I mean, at least that's what I'm thinking. Anyway, so in, in essence, we, we constantly have these things that go into our mind that really keep us grounded, that, that keep us in this, this kind of reality. And in essence, what the person is doing in the form of their meditation is to remove themselves from all these thoughts. And that's very hard to do. It's not a simple task, as most of you guys know who meditate. So you're lucky if maybe 10% to 15% of the time that you can actually have quiet during that time that you're supposed to be really meditating the whole time. There's still that need to constantly check in. So skill and repetition means that you get more and more greater lapses of non-thought and then some commercial break comes in, I call it, okay? And then all of a sudden you're like, ah, and then you, you get some more time in. So you continuously work on that. So a person who's like the master or the person who's really worked on it, they check out to the point where they just start removing everything, 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 everything. And when they get to this level where they've removed everything and their mind is very, very still, one of the first things they're going to do is to possibly open their eyes. The question is, is what do they see? 
when you remove what we believe we see, what is really there then? Is there anything there? And so when the spiritual person opens their eyes and they look and they don't see anything or whatever they do see, which is really the real question, they say, life is nothing but an illusion. For me, this is a huge statement because we are now at a technological age where Kurzweil says in 2029 now we're going to hit this period. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Spit it out. Singularity. Very good. That's because I forgot, so I figured I'd make you guys look like, you know. Anyway, the singularity. The singularity is, for those of you who may or may not know, is when technology keeps getting better and better and better. So we can make a computer chip that can, let's say, count a deck of cards that are thrown in the air randomly on the floor, and it can figure them all, alphabetize them in maybe, uh, let's say, two seconds. So the next chip that comes out that's the predecessor, the newer model, is double the computing power. And that takes us six months to make it double the power. And when it counts it, when we throw all the cards, it can do it in one second rather than two. So another six months later, it's three times computing power compressed into it. So now it can read all those cards in half a second. So it's constantly redoubling itself in a certain amount of time. But each time it doubles itself, it's able to make itself think even faster because it can think about how to fix itself faster. So every time it's doing that, it's increasing its ability not every six months, but the first time it does it in six months, the second time it does it in three months, the next time it does it in a month and a half, the next time it does that is in like seven days, after seven days. So this is the idea of the singularity, is that we know that technology is constantly getting faster and better, faster and better and faster and better, because it's compressing, it's, it's learning to move faster. So the idea is when does it get to a point where it becomes conscious? when it gets to a point of, of you can ask it anything and it's able to computate reality. It's able to computate and simulate and create what we deem as reality. So let's take another step back. When we look at simulation, I remember 10 years ago when we were talking simulation, or does anybody remember the Lawnmower Man or something like that from Stephen King, the movie, you know, and he got, you know, this was very interesting because it was still done very digitally, you know, it's like you could tell he was like a, a digital robot, and then you had Max Headroom and all this other stuff, so we progressed, but now as we, we have progressed with Wi-Fi, we understand now that when you put on a simulated reality lens that is getting better and better. You got video games now where they actually have the hair flowing on the person. You can see actually the pores in the skin. Now, in another year, it's gonna be even more intense than that. In another five years, it's gonna to get to the point where you are gonna have, it's already at this level, but overall in general population, you're going to start having people not be able to tell the difference between what they're seeing versus what they're not seeing. If you did not, were not aware that you had a visor on, let's say max 10 years, whatever you were seeing, you would not be able to distinguish from you people being out here or a bunch of cats and dogs sitting in chairs watching. You'd be like, the hell is going on? And you'd be able to see their fur, you'd be able to see their chest expanding, collapsing from breathing, you'd see their eyelashes, you'd see their eye ducts, you'd see moisture in their eye, literally like that, okay? So what's going to happen is, and they're already working on this, and they're, they're going to have it, they're finding ways now to dial into your nervous system. So 
if you think about a, a battery touching your tongue and you get that electrical charge, that funky taste, okay? Or if you touch something, I don't know if you ever, you know, touched a car battery or something, you get this kind of jolt, you'll notice it affects your nervous system. So what they're going to do now is they're going to have ways to put maybe a kind of, now we think gloves, they're not even going to use gloves. It's just going to be maybe uh, something you rest your hand on or something like this. And it's going to put your body in what is called a sleep paralysis. The same reason why when you dream, your body motors get shut off and you don't run into a wall because you think you're running in real life, but you're in a dream. Your body shuts it off. This is why sometimes you wake and you can't move and you think, oh, there's an entity sitting on me. Ah, okay. Well, there's, sometimes that's true, you know. Anyway, uh, so in either case, they're going to have a way to make the body shut the, the physical muscles down and they're going to now not even need a visor. What they're going to be able to do is they'll project right into the eye retinas so it goes right into the brain. Okay. In essence, for the most part, there's going to be probably a 99.9999% that you won't even know that you're in a simulated reality. And that's going to probably be in everybody's lifetime. Okay. We are already producing this effect really on the fringe at this point. So the question now gets into the fact that there are very brilliant minds in the world like uh, Tesla, everybody's familiar with. Uh, what the hell's his name again? Elon Musk. Uh, Elon Musk was asked recently, you know, uh, Jesse uh, showed me the video and I posted it back up. He posted it up. They were asking, does he believe that we live in a simulated reality? And his answer says that there was like a one, Rick, what was it? A one what? One in a billion chance. One in a billion chance that, that we're not in one. So in other words, pretty much he absolutely adamantly believes we are in an artificial simulated reality that's likely being generated right as we speak by a computer system, if you will, but far beyond our understanding of a computer sitting by our desk. Hence my joke about the kid eating pizza sitting there messing with all our lives, okay? Now, this is, this is a big pill to swallow, okay? It's like, I mean, that's like, you know, are you kidding me? We live in a simulated reality. What are you suggesting? I'm not suggesting that, that we live in a, in a simulated reality in the sense in any human way, shape, or form are necessarily alien. It's, it is going to be a level of intelligence that is going to be so advanced it would be unbelievable. And the truth is, I've often said that we are within the dream of God. If God was created from nothingness, as I've stated before, and he attained or it attained a level of consciousness, in order to sustain mental stimulation, if there's nothing you can touch, if there's nothing you can smell, if there's nothing you can hear, if there's nothing you can taste outside of yourself, for there is nothing, what you're going to do is you're going to dream. So, as I often have said for 30 years, is imagine you're immortal, okay? For 10 seconds, I'm making you immortal. Don't do nothing crazy. Sit in your seats. Anyway, now, if you're immortal, let's imagine now we, we cut your spine and you can't move, you can't have any motor gears, you can't hear, you can't see, you can't smell, you can't taste, you can't do nothing. You're essentially a pile of flesh that never will die. But your neural system in your brain is still working. Now, what do you do? There comes a point where you're going to be bored out of your mind, your mind's going to look for stimulation, but eventually you're going to start to create a dream. And in that dream, your longing to convey or communicate or to relate to something is going to start creating other identities in your dream world. Hence the conversations you have had at some point in pe with people in your dream. 
I would ask you, are they not individual in their own personality? Were they not quirky? Did you not see them as somebody other than yourself? You didn't recognize them as yourself in your dream, but yet your consciousness generated that entire reality in your mind, including all their personalities and quirks and anything they told you that you were like, holy cow, that's amazing. That was still you talking to you. So in essence, this is what I call simulated reality. And that everybody in your dream that you were talking to is technically an identity, a personality that's within your own consciousness. This is what I train is what I call the eyes, meaning how many personalities do you have? You have the happy you, the angry you, the hungry you, the loving, nurturing you, but really you have very complex personalities that are individual beings of intelligence with their own opinions and everything that are evidently in your own consciousness. You're capable of creating an entire universe. Tell me, in your dream, is there a limit to the extent of the expanse of your reality in your dream? Can you not go to the bottom of the ocean? Can you not travel for light years into space in your dream? Can you not infinitely explore microorganisms or the macrocosmoses of galaxies? Where is the limit? So in a sense, you are a computer, an organic computer, who's simulating or simulating a reality within your own mind. I mean, the greatest inventions in the world, right down to electricity, if you will, was actually an epiphany that occurred within a dream. Think about that. So if God is dreaming, we are, just like when you're dreaming, the realities are holding a conversation with you in your dream. In the end, a spiritual person who, who is practicing, there is the person who meditates for relaxation, which is the Western philosophy, and it just begins and ends there, and it drives me nuts. The quest is, can I take it further? Can I explore beyond the threshold, beyond the veil of silence, of quiet, of nothingness? Or do I just sit there and just, okay, I've attained it, I'm relaxed now, I'm ready to get on with my day. The answer is push beyond that, for there is a veil, and you can move beyond that veil. The frequency that people hear, the tones, is your ability to train your mind to move in what I consider the more real reality versus this one. If you can get yourself to work with tones, you learn to make your mind bend and move. If you can take the same aspect, and if you're doing remote viewing, the same way you bring sound louder to you, you take something you're seeing in your mind and you pull it towards you with the same concept. It's no different. You move it towards you. It's the same as learning to get up and walk across this room. You've now learned how to, to say to yourself, I'll think of this cosmos I see, or this tree in the distance, or this vague image of reality I see that's around a fogginess that, that is whatever, like there's a portal. You, you, you don't think of me wanting or you wanting to walk towards it. The second you do, it evaporates, it dissipates, it fades. But the second you think of, of admiring it, the way you've trained yourself with the tones playing around with it, you then can bring it into high depth. You can now bring that tree to you and see the bark. You can now turn and look by making yourself as if you're looking for the second tone. You, you move your mind to see what's to the left or to the right. But the second you think about moving in your organic body, it dissipates. It makes you stay in this realm of reality. So the tones, is a training mechanism. It is an escape technique. 
that teaches you to train your mind to move beyond that which we can comprehend, which we see, which we think is the real reality. Remember, your brain runs on electricity. Everything you smell is converted into electrons through a nervous system in your nose. Everything that you're hearing from me is not something that just pipes up into your, your brain. It's converted from sound waves into little bits of electricity that go to your brain and say, this is what you're hearing. Everything that you see is reflected light that's coming at you and your brain actually seeing it upside down. It's converting it all into little bits and pieces and it's rebuilding what you're seeing. So technically speaking, this is all static electricity. And we're being told this is what you're seeing. So it's kind of like we're all cell phones and this is the conversation that's been given to you through the ether of what you're seeing, but you can't hear any other conversation. I often teach that if you shut off the lights in a room and you look across a room, you have to have some luminosity, but you can do it in pitch black once you get good enough. It's like seeing ores, but different. You will see what looks like fuzz in the air. It's like a haze. It's almost like your body will start breathing shallowly, shallow because you begin to think in your head, it's like smoke. As you observe this fuzz, there's a point where you can concentrate and start seeing the fuzz closer and closer to your eye. And the more that you concentrate it, of course you can see the detail. Now this is a little, a little bit harder to do than seeing the fuzz from a distance which looks tinier or looks like a haze. But as you start to train yourself to bring closer, you see like these little dots. Interestingly enough, there's what I say, there's a blue dot and there's a red dot. But I want to forget about that, but I'll just throw it out there because I say the blue dot is prana, it's positive energy. The red dot is going to be negative energy or the dark side, if you will, but I don't think it has like a picket fence with a pick, you know, pick fork or devil. But it's like a, an energy that's counter to, to reality as we understand it. The blue is building the reality as we understand it. So you want to, of course, bring that blue positive energy into you. So but there's another way to, to look at this. You, I look at it as pixels. So you look at a computer screen, and on the computer screen, if you look close at the older computers where they got better, even a TV, okay, you see that there's little tiny dots, and each dot is a different color glowing. And as you move away like a complex puzzle, it starts to build its shape, and you see what you see. If you move in closer, you see little dots. Well, the better the technology gets for computer screens, it's harder to see those. But if you took a magnifying glass, you would see them, okay? Now, this whole room is filled with what look like little tiny floating pixels. The entire room is filled with them. It's like water. It's, like, it's almost like it's solid. And everything that I see around me, I believe are these little pixels that are generating what I consider depth, color, shape, form, all of these different things. What is going on between me and you? What is that fuzz? What is that distortion? Because if you really think about it, not only are you having trouble seeing me, but it almost looks like there's like a fuzz over my face a little bit. So you're trying to ask yourself, what is this? And if you really think about it, it looks like a, a vibrating almost nothingness. So we don't have all night for you guys to practice with this or to get really good with it. You're going to have to take my word on it, those of you guys who are new. But what you want to do is when you're in a room 
and it's at night, just look at the room. You're going to have like a little green light on from some kind of alarm clock or something or a little red light from the fire, you know, sensor thing. So that will help a little bit. But you'll be able to eventually relax enough that you will see the detail, the complex detail of these little tiny dots and they're everywhere. There, there's not a tenth of an inch that's not filled with, with them near each other, but yet they don't exactly touch one another. They perfectly keep a very marginal distance from one another, like atoms or particles. Now, interestingly enough, I was reading an article, and I can't remember for the life of me, but there's several mathematical equations that are dumbfounded the science world of math. Okay? So, I don't consider myself a mathematical genius or anything, but I, I do certainly uh, have an aptitude for it. Uh, there is a, a, the most simplest way to describe this is you take a sphere, and on the sphere there's a mathematical equation where you can literally map out what would be like little tiny dots in the entire sphere. And there's a way to, to divide and multiply and divide and multiply. And when you do this a certain amount of times, what seems impossible becomes possible. It becomes two, and two becomes four. And they're like dumbfounded how that's even possible. But it's, it's a rotation of some kind of frequencies. I suspect there's a correlation to what we're seeing and the same thing that mathematically where, where they're doing this. But if you Google it, it's like, a, just do like sphere smash um, mathematical equation unsolved or something. And they'll do, there'll be people who try to explain it and they'll show it to you and you'll be like, what the hell, okay? But the important part is we've got to trust them that they're like, we're dumbfounded by this. It, it, this should not be, but there it is. Another thing that's very interesting is um, on another mathematical, you know, Ray should be the specialist in all this by now. Um, there's a, another thing where you can have, a, it's about, you take a piece of paper, let's say it's as big as this, and about every maybe um, inch or so you make a perfect straight line. And you can take a paper clip, and if you take that paper clip and you toss it in the air and it falls down, it always goes 50-50. It'll either be in between the two perfectly, or it'll go across one of the lines. When you add up 100 times, it'll always be like 49-52, but it almost always will be 50-50 almost always. What the fuck? Think about that. Shouldn't it be like 20-80 sometimes, and sometimes 50-50, and sometimes 60-40? Why over and over and over and over again it will always come up to that systematic equation almost every single time? It's scary. There's a, another mathematical thing that they're, they're stumped by that I found very interesting. And of course, I've done a whole le lecture on the Fibonacci circle, and a lot of people will understand that in nature you have this spiral effect, like you have a, a sink that will go spiral, uh, a fern will go spiral, a galaxy will go spiral, a hurricane eye will go spiral. But we see this constantly. In computer coding, if you, if you understand anything about computer coding, one of the first things you will do is you come up with a code, and it doesn't matter what size you use it on. If it works for everything else, you'll utilize it. And it's when we look at reality, you know, if you do computer coding, you're like, you know, oh my God, it's everywhere. Uh, but in this, it's, uh, it's something called the, the pair F, F syndrome, like F and Frank, I forget what it's called. But uh, what they've done is they will take all the words in the human uh, English language and they'll find all the words that we use the most, like the word the and 
um, uh, any of the, the common words. And then the more sophisticated words, like sophisticated is used less and less. So which ones are used the most and which ones are used less? And what you, you do is they take it on a chart by how many times it's used and they show the regularity on this chart as it's going out like this to, like this is the max, this is the lowest, and this being the highest and the low. And it will go like, like, like a scoop, like the letter L. And what's interesting is every single language on earth that they do it to will do the exact same pattern. Um, more so, every city with the population does the same exact pattern. Every, in all the whole world. And it goes over and over again. They can use the same sequence to calculate almost everything in our reality and it's stupefying how it's even possible. Why would we follow a, a very strict pattern for every single city based on the ratio of size, the amount of people, the amount of people leaving the city coming in and will always follow the same exact pattern and it has the same growth rates. So I'm giving a very crude statement on it, okay, but any of this stuff you guys should Google. But the point is, one has to ask themselves when you see such patterns instead of a greater law of chaos, one has to ask themselves, what the hell is going on? And this always goes back to a simulated reality. It goes back to that old guru who says, reality is but an illusion. And here we are at an age, as I was saying, technology is increasing, where we're starting to look at science questioning our own reality. And this is where one would always used to say, science and spirituality one day will meet. I say that day is almost upon us. And it will reveal itself. So, on that note, I can take a few questions before we move on to phase two, if anybody's interested and it doesn't digress too far off topic. Uh, you were speaking that uh, when you look at the, I think you call it granulation or pixels, yes. and they come really close that you see yes. blue and red. Yes. So, I've seen these since I was a little girl. I've yes. never seen the blue and red. I've okay. heard you speak of it before. I a lot of people will say that white. to me, and I'll, I have an answer for that. Okay, okay. so, so I only see yep. them as white. Every okay. once in a while, I see different colors, but I've never yep. seen like the blue and red specifically. Okay. A am well, I just not seeing it close no, no, enough? No, 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 no. No, it's, it's perfectly logical, and you'll, you'll see why. Your, your mind... Is, is going to dictate what you see. It's kind of like a zoom in, zoom out kind of thing. The, the blue and the red is not necessarily a bright blue or a bright red. When we think of red, I think red like her pants or blue like his, his jeans, okay? It's, it's like almost very dark red and very dark blue, okay? So one could almost say they're almost the same color. If your mind starts pushing more so into it, they can actually go into a white fuzz. Okay, if you extrapolate out, you see what are blurred movements, which in reality is the constructs of focusing in on creating what we see now is what we say this is our reality. If you were to, to zoom macro micro, okay, you would then see a different complexity of structure as to what you deem. And I mean, we're getting into crazy stuff here, but so this is probably what's going on. Now, it's hard for us to imagine. How can I look here and everything turns to a fuzz? Shouldn't I be zooming in or zooming out? No, this is because we think this way. This doesn't make it so. We, we know from human sight that, that what we're really seeing shouldn't even be exactly what we're seeing. We don't even know why we see it this way. Okay, hence the Wi-Fi, hence the, the simulated reality. So what you're seeing is correct. So there's no right or wrong. 
what I'm trying to give is a basic construct for people to start approaching this kind of thinking, playing around with this kind of stuff, make you guys go nuts, suck your thumb, crawl into the corner, ah, uh, okay? But at the end of the day, my job is to, to get you guys thinking about these things, and hopefully in a positive way. So it is true, it is correct, but this is a conversation that could go on for four hours just on that one topic. And I'm trying to cover a vast array. As Ray will, will certify, he's like my, my technician now in all this stuff because of the, the new book coming out, which is three volumes long. They'll give you an idea how much I talk about all this. Okay, but in much more detail and more scientific data and yada yada. So in essence, what would be the purpose of, of this? I mean, other than to make you feel kind of like, what the hell, what is reality, what am I? But isn't that what everybody's really here about? What is it that we as white cells that we're looking for, what is nagging us, what is bothering us our entire life, that we know something's very, very wrong, something's very different, something's not evidently, clearly, definitely in front of us as everything we're told is, but there's those of us who are like kind of batty, okay, and everybody else is like, oh no, I'm going to the softball game, and oh no, this is the meaning of life, and blah, 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 and we're like, no, there's, there's something more, I'm telling you, you know, it's just, I just can't touch it, I can't say, but I can feel it, you know? So what, what is that? And this is really what this is. This is, this is, first of all, a confirmation, in my opinion, through science, okay, which we consider almost like the great determinator, okay, that's saying now, holy shit, fuck Christ, we think we're in a simulated reality, and the math is backing this up. Well, I'm like, <coughs> hello? Um, so this is why we have to be aware of this. This is why we have to observe what's going on. But the truth of it is, what we have felt, what we have seen, the lunacy of, of our reality, if you think about this, spirits, entities, dimension, vortexes, walls, warping and moving, and we're like, hey, did you see that? And they're like, see what? The wall moved. And they're like, mm, you're not meds yet, okay? Now they're starting to say these things are possible. They're like, okay, we, we, we know now maybe what, we, what we're, we're thinking is there's more truth to this. This is very, very, very important because for us to progress in our spirituality, we need the confidence to move forward instead of fearing that we are sinking deeper and deeper into a disconnect from reality and that we're losing ourselves. And secretly, everybody in this room spiritually always is asking themselves, am I batshit crazy? Am I really not dialing in here? Okay. And this is why, and in my opinion, this is what also limits those who can do great miraculous things from those who tend to, to just know there's something more, but there's something refraining them from doing the profound. This is the mind. If reality is an illusion, then everything that we think is subjugated by the reality we will forward meaning we create a reality. So how do we manipulate that reality? How do we alter a little bit? How do we mess with the system? That starts with the level of belief of the fact of if you can or can't. And the more in the back of your head you question that, the less you can do. And all of us are designed to doubt it. So it's a self-regulating system. When we think of things like the paranormal, 
these are what I consider vortexes or whatever. This is like looking at a computer system and you have a hard drive and it's running a program. Now everybody knows you can run Microsoft Windows in the background while you're surfing the internet and you can also run a chat program at the same time and on the same time you can be listening to iTunes music. The thing that's interesting is it's all happening from the same hard drive. It's all happening from the same memory stick. They're all coexisting and functioning independently or seemingly independent, but they're really not. They're intertwined. You're just defining, tuning into which one you're hearing, okay? But they're all happening in the same place. So when you have phenomena happen, when you see a ghost, when you see a spirit, when you feel something, when you sense something, when you hear something, this is really these two things bumping or almost glitching, overriding on the other. That's what I consider the paranormal. So this is very interesting things to begin to approach because the better we can understand it, the more that we can control it, the more we can work with it, the more we can manipulate it. Why is it that a placebo effect for diseases can work 50% equally as well as a medicine supposedly that's going to cure? There, there's nothing but a sugar pill, but yet it's, it's curing a cancer or a tumor or a disease. And it shouldn't because the power of that belief is what changed it. Again, if your belief is strong enough, you can manipulate reality. It's the little doubting Thomas that's the, the program that keeps us aligned to run the program as it's going. Spirituality is, is separating yourself from the rules of what we consider the matrix, if we want to call it that now. When we say the matrix, I hate using the word because it's like saying God and you think of Christianity. And when we say matrix, we think of Keona Reeves now, okay? So it's like you almost got to constantly come up with new names for stuff so that we get rid of these association thoughts because that's very dangerous, by the way. That's what pigeonholes you into thinking again, all right? So, but it's the best tools we have to speak to a universal group of people. Scientists have math. Math is a language, just like words, okay? We're not mathematic people, so we have to find other means to navigate this idea of reality and how to, to uh, experience it or to move into it. So, when you contemplate what I'm saying and you think about it and you think about the fuzz, you think about all this stuff, you then can start to have a way of approaching it with greater levels of phenomena. You have a better understanding and one that's more manageable in the sense that I work with a computer, I have an idea of how these things work, so now the mystery to some degree is removed. Mystery causes fear. We still are programmed with the instinct of fight or flight. Anything we don't understand, we tend to be fearful of for survival's sake and we want to run. So anytime we hear we're not going to be like, hell yeah, can you do it again on the mic? Okay. We, we don't know what that is, so we get fearful and we leave. So the idea is that if we look at this and we go, okay, that's a really slow recording of a different thing. Can you do it again? Boom. Got it. Put it on high speed. Hey, you got any bacon, honey? All right. So it, it's, it's, it's being able to say, I can control my anxiety and look at this all a little bit differently to extrapolate data that somehow can make me manipulate, hack reality, as they say. And all joking aside, but to become more functional as a spiritual person, to change people's lives, to change effect and cause and all sorts of things. That is really the goal. And it's much more complicated and bigger than, than anybody can imagine. This episode was recorded at a live event in Philadelphia. 
If you like this podcast, please subscribe on iTunes and leave a positive review to help others like yourself find this knowledge. If you would like to support this podcast, please visit our online store at higherbalance.com. When I was young, I recall sitting in the back seat of the family car as we drove somewheres, probably just to get away. I remember seeing the rivets of the back seat, the leather contour, the fabric and texture of the floor mat. I was small. I remember looking upward through the window, seeing the reflection of the glass of myself, a metal lining along the glass trim. I could only see the trees and the sky moving by. I thought I could touch it, so I did, reaching my hand out the window to touch it. I felt it. I felt the air pushing and moving beneath my hand and the warmth of the sun upon its back. I think it was at that moment I began to awaken knowing that sometimes when you want to find something, you don't always find it in the way that you think you're going to. You see, my hand, it moved against the wind, pushing, weaving, feeling it, touching it, and the sun warming, soothing, healing. Somewhere in between, I flew. Higher balance. We think outside of the box. A new kind of spirituality. A new kind of meditation. A revolution in consciousness. Thank you for listening to Rebel Guru Radio.